Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your commodore of cocktails. Hey, thanks for joining me this Saturday night. Happy summer. It's uh, the middle of August. Hope you're having the, uh, hope your dog's doing well, because it's the dog days of August, they say, and I wonder what a dog would drink on the dog days of August. Probably uh, anything, actually, at that point. Um, I remember I had a dog that used to stick his head in the toilet. (laughs) It was a big dog. <laughs> Not discriminating tastes, I would imagine, for the St. Bernard used to brandy, but uh, you probably couldn't tell the difference. Um, hey, hope you're having a great summertime. Uh, if you're out there on the grill and uh, grilling with some wine, with some beer, with some whiskey, whatever you got, uh, I got two cats here in the studio today that have a cookbook called Cook and Cork. So it's actually kind of a wine book, cookbook, picture book recipes and the secrets of food and wine pairing it's harry mills and chris horn both of uh heavy heavy restaurant group uh purple cafe uh purple wine bar and cafe or did you change the name but anyway guys hey welcome to happy hour happy saturday hi happy saturday right i'm glad you guys could step away from your busy busy restaurant just to take some time and share the story of your uh your experience and the story of cook and cork indeed it's nice to be out of the restaurant it is. How about on that? Saturday night. On a yeah. Saturday night, I know. <laughs> See, that means you have a well-oiled machine, and uh, you can step away. That's real leadership, guys. Congratulations. We, we have a wonderful team that makes us look good every day. <laughs> Indeed they do. Indeed All they right. Do. Chris Horde, um, gosh, we've been in the wine circles for a long time. How did you get in the biz? Uh, I was, at one point, uh, the, the world's greatest country club busboy, and uh, then I went and got an English degree and went right back to busing after that. Because <laughs> that's how it goes when you have an English degree. Uh, but I was working at this little uh, Italian place in the district called La Dolce Vita, and they're at the corner of 35th and 55th. I don't know what there's what's what there now, but yeah, every night uh, there was food, there was wine, and it, I just kind of got the wine bug, and uh, I've had it ever since. And so then I I started working at Salty's on Alki under Tim O'Brien, who's one of the greatest wine guys in town, and yeah. taught me a lot about. What year was that? 1995. Oh, okay. Yeah, so a little bit ago. I worked there in 86. Oh, okay. So yes. I uh, predated you. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I barely remember if Tim was there at the time. I think he was still with uh, uh, the Gourmet Burger Joint. Maybe. Yeah. He's been there Red for over 30 Robin. years. Now. Yes, he has. Um, but, uh, yeah, I lo- learned a lot from Tim about the, sort of the humility and approaching wine in a, in a real way. And then uh, after that, I was uh, assistant wine director at Wild Ginger for about... I was there for about six years, all said. And was it, was uh, that the Wild Ginger on 3rd, or was that the Wild I, Ginger on Western? I joined them for the transition up the, up the street. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I got to enjoy the old Wild Ginger recreationally and work at the new one professionally. And, uh, <laughs> recreationally. And so, but uh, we s- still, every once in a while, when you walk down that, that neighborhood, you're like, oh, I remember not being sober in that bar a lot. <laughs> um, but uh, wild, yeah. So you're a Seattle guy then? I'm a Seattle guy. I was uh, born at Virginia Mason Hospital. So okay, I haven't gone very far actually. The one in Seattle, not yeah. Virginia. They used to do deliveries back in the seventies. <laughs> deliveries. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, they got yeah. a stork pad up there. Huh? Yeah, they did. They did. Um, but I've been uh, I've been at uh, Purple Seattle. We started that eleven years ago now. Eleven years ago. Uh, I, I remember it was the old. Um, 
UW Bookstore yeah. store. And when they when I heard they were putting a restaurant up there, I was like, that's never going to work. <laughs> it's never going to work. That's a terrible idea. There's nothing up there besides theaters and hotels. Yes. <laughs> what <would> people <laughs> want to do? Nightlife? Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Well, Harry Mills, uh, hey, where are you from? How'd you get this uh, idea that you wanted to wear an apron and a toque? Uh, well, I uh, I always enjoyed cooking as as a kid. My mom was a great cook. Uh, my dad is a, a big wine collector, and uh, so it was kind of always part of our lives. And then I uh, I went to UW thinking I was kind of going to go a different direction, and um, and did for a little while. Yeah, worked <laughs> in some uh, political jobs, like Luke uh, Esser. Well, I was—I I, actually—I uh, wanted to be a lobbyist, and I thought—I uh, thought that was going to be my career. And uh, some circumstances got me out of that business, fortunately. Um, and I—that uh, I, is just when Art Institute of Seattle's culinary program was starting uh, back in 1996, and so. Okay. Uh, I was in the original graduating, very first graduating class from the Art Institute Seattle program. Um, then went on to work uh, at some now long gone European style bistros uh, and learned how to do charcuterie, which then was kind of a lost art. There weren't guys doing salumi and charcuterie back in 97, 98 very much at all, except right. for some Euro guys. And luckily for me, got to learn how to do it. And Who was your mentor? Um, I, I would definitely say Hans Peter Ebersold. He Hans uh, Peter. he uh, he was my guy. We I worked for him when I was in culinary school. I, I wanted to kind of double up my efforts and work while I was in school as well as uh, kind Reiner's, of push was that his restaurant? It was Reiner's, and then they changed the name to Geneva. Yeah, Geneva. Yeah, yeah. And then I worked for Philippe Gate out in Kirkland at Le Provençal. Oh. Um, and so these guys taught me a lot about you know uh, the whole terrine pate and all that. There was not a lot of guys doing that then, and so I had a very unusual opportunity. John Fisher uh, was running Art Institute then, and he was one of my instructors, and he got jammed up. One of the uh, charcuterie instructors for the summer bailed out at the last minute. He called me. He's like, "Hey, I know you just graduated like two years ago, <laughs> okay. but I don't know a lot of guys and know how to do charcuterie. And if you just give me this one summer, um, I'll find you a job." And so I talked to him about it with Hans Peter, and he was like, "Go do it." And so taught uh, charcuterie for that summer and left seven years later. So uh, <laughs> the one summer seven evolved into summer. yeah, one quarter evolved into twenty-eight quarters. There, um, I and I loved it. I loved teaching uh, culinary school, and it it gave me an opportunity to almost turn my. Uh, my living room into a culinary think tank. I was buying all these books and studying and creating curriculum and and really learning a lot about cuisine and and then passing it along to the students and and it it gave me a, a, a really great foundation of of learning cuisine and um and then I decided I need to get back in the industry or I was never going to get back in the industry and and heard about Purple Downtown opening it up and took the job as the opening sous chef and that's wow. where we crossed paths for the first time 11 years ago huh working together that's a long ago. time yep yeah I worked with Bill Morris for 15 years and he started making charcuterie back around 1998 99 yeah yep. um a lot of fun and cuz I remember going to France and tasting these great things and talking about hey you know we were at this fancy restaurant and they served something called an amuse bouche it's <laughs> <laughs> <That was> so <laughs> cool right yeah <laughs> really fancy it's like wow um, how far we've come uh, i know yeah. that was back in 1998 i remember being in bordeaux like that uh, speaking with harry mills who is the executive chef of uh, purple restaurant downtown purple wine bar what's the official name Pur purple cafe and wine bar 
bar. Purple Cafe. Yeah. I yeah, love Cafe it. and wine bar. Your cafe was packed the other day when I was uh, having a lovely lunch down there, and it, it's so fun to see the, the kind of the European take on, on dining. It's like, all right, have a glass of wine. People are not too afraid of that. Maybe they're not working. Maybe they are, but I think everyone should lighten up a bit. I think, I think we're lucky that people feel safe drinking wine in our restaurant at lunch, but we will also put it in a coffee mug if they ask us to. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a something service everyone should know about yeah. Purple Downtown. I like that. That's if no charge upgrade. If sitting at the other uh, table, you're just having a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, it must be decaf, though, because your <laughs> eyes are getting <laughs> uh, Okay, so Purple, um, uh, who was the, as a sous chef, you must have had a visionary. Tell me, uh, Harry, who was the, what was the theme of the restaurant at the time, and has it maintained it or has it evolved? Well, I, I think at the beginning, um, certainly Purple had been around. There were the, the Kirkland and Woodenville locations that predated uh, downtown's opening. And our owner, uh, Larry Karofsky, I think had uh, a, a really cool vision, which is let's let's tie all three of these cafes together with some, some cuisine that, that all three offer. Um, lobster mac and cheese, which has been on the menu for years and years, and our baked brie, which we sell hundreds of those a week and you can find those at every purple cafe but i think what he did that was really uh, a, a really bright idea is he knew that the woodenville and the kirkland and the downtown seattle clientele were going to be a little bit different and so we kind of started to evolve that feel of what is an urban wine bar in a large city and what is what does it look like and is it going to be different than the suburban uh, where there's lots of regulars and people coming down on a Tuesday night for a, a, maybe a little different experience than than some of our guests who are going to Benaroy or going to the Fifth Avenue or staying in one of those fancy luxe hotels downtown that are really Across close to street. us, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and so that's where Chris and I really started to work together and 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 form a vision that I kind of like to call wine bar cuisine. I think we we inform the cuisine with wine. We you know, I really like wine. Um, I, I pursued even a little bit uh, with the court, taking the, the level one. They're all like, you're a chef? What are you doing here? But I, I just wanted to continue to educate myself on wine. I think the court does a great job of that. And, and so we, we really inform our cuisine from wine-producing countries around the world. And I know almost every country produces wine, but we're talking about the ones that produce some some fine wine. So Spain and and North Africa and the Eastern Mediterranean and Italy and France and Central South America is an area that we're starting to play around with and places that are producing really good wine in the world generally and that grows together goes together kind of way um, generally have some cuisine that that really works with wine and that's kind of the little box that we choose to play in and it it's great for me and it's also a an excellent way to kind of set up some boundaries for my chef de cuisine and my sous chefs to create and knowing that that this is kind of what we do and and we always want to think of that guest who's coming in having wine and so we don't have explosively hot flavors or right. really crazy fusion flavors or anything like that it's it's relatively uh, kind of new American, but always thinking about what's in the glass when we put something on a plate. So. Well, what I saw was you had fresh-made, house-made pastas, uh, of course, the local, was it game or, or poultry and, and fish and seafood? So you have a bit of everything. It's a very continental menu, mm -hmm. but you had a, a, there's a lot more flavor and personality to the dishes than your your Caesar salad is, is with kale and it has real anchovy in it and it tastes true, really good. I mean, I, true. I liked it. Yeah, I, I you know, one of the things that, that we are passionate about is ingredients and I, I think the you know a lot of the time certainly when Chris and I 
put together a wine dinner, we always want to consider if you know if you've got some incredibly rare, wonderful wine, you want some cuisine that's relatively simple to go with that. You don't want them to be fighting each other on the palate. Um, and so once that cuisine does push towards simplicity and rusticity, the ingredients quality is is absolutely critical. And so um, we're very fortunate now. We've got uh, uh, some farm direct programs, an orchard direct po- program with Collins Family Orchard. Um, just incredible stuff coming into the back. And we kind of stand there in awe of it and say, we're going to do maybe as little of this as possible because we already kind of got a leg up because we're just getting such great stuff coming in. And, um, and that's that's really cool for us as, as we evolve the cuisine um, to really make things that are simple and ingredient driven and and that just makes Chris's job even easier. <laughs> Chris has got an easy job. Chris, how many yeah. glass pours do you got there on the uh, at Purple? Oh, I don't count most days, but it, it fluctuates. It's sort of seasonal right now. There's more whites and rosés than we normally would have uh, in the winter time. I, it's somewhere between eighty and a hundred. Um, it goes up and down by the glass. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And so everything is either paired with food or on a flight. Um, oh, right. And so things. Things get to move. You had a um, a huge list of flight opportunities or flight departures. Or whatever <laughs> yeah. You well, so the flights are the thing I write last on the wine list. I choose the wines based on what what we need in our toolbox. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the last pr- part of the process is how am I going to make these things go together? And, uh, and so we do trios because three is a lot easier than four. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oftentimes things sort of thematically fall into place. It's pretty great. <laughs> I love it. Speaking with uh, Chris Horn and Harry Mills. Uh, Chris is the director of wine or wine director? Wine director, yeah. I think that's what director, my business card yeah. says. Yeah. Yeah, kind of wine like an, wrangler. An opera di- director <laughs> in wine, per se. Um, Harry Mills, the executive chef at Purple Wine Bar and Cafe. Cafe and Wine cafe Bar? Cafe and Wine Bar. Cafe, yeah. yeah I, it's beyond a cafe. You don't serve I, breakfast, though. So. <laughs> right. I know. It's <laughs> definitely more of a wine bar than a cafe when you go in that place. So I love it. Well, when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about how you guys uh, collaborate to come up with and be inspired to come up with a book called Cook and Cork. It's uh, Harry Mills, Chris Horn from Purple Cafe and Wine Bar here in downtown Seattle. Uh, Kirkland and uh, uh, Woodville. That's it. Hey, folks in Bellevue. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. It's time for round two. Hope you got something tasty in your glass or on your way to someplace delicious, perhaps Purple Cafe and Wine Bar in downtown Seattle, Bellevue, or Woodenville. Uh, I've got Harry Mills, the executive chef for the Purple Wine, Purple Cafe Empire, and Chris Horn, the director of wine, wine director for uh, the Heavy Restaurant Group. Is that right? Yeah, I, I do. I do a lot of. There's, we have a lot of restaurants, and I write the wine list for many of them. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, let's talk about the wine list. Uh, you, you just mentioned previously eighty some glass pours. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most of those, or many of those, are available in a flight of three. Uh, give me some of the the cool experiences you can enjoy down at Purple in a wine flight. Uh, you know, I think that uh, when you can sit and taste three Sauvignon Blancs, one from Bordeaux, one from New Zealand, one from uh, uh, what's What's the third one from right now? Napa? Washington, sorry. <laughs> Blah. Um, 
uh, it's it's great to see that that grape how it is treated differently in different parts of the world and just how, the range of flavors. So when somebody says uh, Sauvignon Blanc's my favorite wine, well, which, which right. style do you like? And mm-hmm. I think it, I think tasting things in context gives you a lot of information. Um, yeah, perspective and compare and contrast kind of thing, yeah. where you, you kind of get where acidity is and where the the aromas are located, or also uh, barrel elevage mm-hmm. and lees contact things like that. Uh, yeah. What about a red wine? What's a cool exotic red wine flight you've got there? Well, I always have sort of the this thing happen at the end where I've I've got these three wines that are just a little <laughs> weird and they they don't they, but they belong together because they're weird. So like I have a a, a Slovenian. Uh, Rafosk with a Georgian Saparavi and uh, uh, a weird uh, uh, blend from Sicily. So, like, it, it, you get to I get to play with the, the 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 strange wines that people might otherwise skip over. So it's like, here, try the strange. The, I I don't know what I, I usually call it the, the wine bar flight because they're all very wine bar wines. Sure, that's yeah. uh, a very exotic kind of places yeah. destinations, but. With great traditions of winemaking over the centuries, oh yeah, of uh, indigenous grapes and uh, a lot of flavor that w- sometimes it's hard to put it in in context. I'm used to cab. I know what Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. I know that I will like this part of it, but when you have a new grape, it's like mm, the brain is confused, especially for relatively new new consumers who are taking that adventure. But as long as they like it, it's got got to have that mm factor. Yeah, and we, we want people to explore, and and we it's a risk free buying environment. If somebody doesn't like something, we'll just take it off the bill and get something else because we have eighty of them. So, yeah, seriously. Yeah. So fun. Um, looking at that restaurant, obviously those those lo- tall windows is fantastic for all that natural light. Uh, it's a very, uh, I'm going to say industrial, but it's got this very heavy restaurant feel. Mm-hmm. Iron, lots of uh, stone. It's it's kind of this rusted look, but you got candles. It reminds me a little bit of a, of you know a castle in a way. But um, who designed it? Did it? Was this something you guys got a chance to participate in? Uh, our designer was his name was John. I think he was at a. He was one of uh, the owner Larry's buddies from Vegas. Uh, I think I forget the name of his. Uh, he he kind of walked around. He looked like Gandalf. He had the white hair, and he was all like just the robe and the staff. Yeah, and, I, and I and I I wouldn't wouldn't say that that he was uh, a wizard. And yeah, I, he was. He had a, a wizarding quality to him, and uh, yeah. So he he designed both the Bellevue and the Seattle restaurants. Yeah. That wine, well, you have a wine tower. It's like uh, yeah. so Oriol was the only place to have a wine tower, and you don't have any wine angels, though. No, but sometimes I put on a cape and a spandex bodysuit and <laughs> run around. It's not during business hours, though, so. Uh. You must not have any motion detectors at that night. <laughs> Pretty fun. Um, Harry, did you have a chance to... Uh, Contribute some ideas to the restaurant, or was it, was there a, a pretty natural uh, understanding of what a hundred and thirty seat restaurant? I think that's what my guess is. I'm not sure what uh, you serve. Two twenty. Okay, because yeah, there's upstairs yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, upstairs too. Um, I, you know, I was not the opening chef. I was the opening sous chef. Um, actually, Alex Nemeth was the opening chef, and um, he and Larry had been working on the the menu and and. Uh, kitchen design and all that stuff uh, prior to my arrival, so it w- it felt really organized when I got there. That's one thing I, I will say. You know, opening a restaurant is as masochistic of an endeavor as I think anything we will ever do. And um, you know, getting in there and and this was their third property, and they they made a lot of the mistakes that first time restaurateurs do. And we just got in there, started grinding, doing tastings, and. 
you know, hired a couple of kids early to wash the dishes, and and <laughs> it was it was a good time. I mean, those those weeks are. 80, 85 hours, you just, you're just like, what am I going to do my laundry? When am I going to get my hair cut? When am I going to do anything that I need to get done? And, and then all of a sudden, uh, opening day, you're looking around and there's sawhorses and all the furniture isn't quite unpacked. Right. And next thing you know, it's open and, and yeah. away we go. And so um, we ended up opening a number of properties uh, together for, for Heavy Group. Uh, back, you know, I was chef over in Bellevue at the three restaurant complex and my wife was the original opening chef at Barrio. Um, so yeah, the, the, now I'm back downtown and that's really where I want to be. I, I really like the clientele of purple downtown. Um, I love the energy, you know, running a restaurant that does 800 covers in a day has a lot of challenges and, and, and but it's, it's great to cool. feel like, you know, all right. Oh yeah. I love a letdown got a great crew. I mean, I 600 covers might be a yeah. letdown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> got some cleaning projects done today. We only did 600 covers. Yeah. It's uh, it's a machine and it's, it's an, uh, it's amazing. Like to just see the contribution of, of so many people toward such a big, big undertaking in it and it comes off really smoothly almost every day and when yeah. it does have some pitfalls we we always want to try to take care of people if something doesn't go quite right to make them know that they're welcome back and we we want to we want we always want to make good on a mistake if we ever make one so. yeah it's a restaurant we make mistakes all the time yeah it's right just, yeah. <laughs> it happens uh, I was just at an opening restaurant or an opening for a new restaurant or actually just a new restaurant and like they're three weeks in and I my food was not prepared the way it's set on the menu and I said okay you give them that little but mm -hmm. yeah someone's got to recognize that because mm -hmm. the chef didn't recognize her the line cook didn't get it nor did the food runner and when the waitress came out no one looked at the food <laughs> gosh yeah I don't see any cilantro how about right. that right <laughs> well let's talk about um, this inspiration is this your first book together or did it, you guys it uh, is our first book yes. it is okay yeah, it is and um, which one's the cook? Uh, it depends <laughs> on the day. I, I do fair, fairly decent work in the kitchen sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I see, Chris, you with uh, a copious amount of bottles, glasses, and uh, also uh, different expressions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the cover shot it was really fun because none of those bottles were stunt bottles. And the liquid that was in the bottles were in us at the time <laughs> and that was one of the last pictures she took Haley Young's our photographer she's the, the photo editor for Seattle Magazine she's great uh, and the, of the hundred or so photos she took that was one of the last ones because we were just shucking oysters and down in Chablis and Muscadet and Champagne and just that was a great, a great day. day. Yeah. That's a great day. Look yeah, at that. You must day. have 100 oysters in front of you. So what are the processes? If I wanted to start a book like you guys did, what do you do first? Do you table of contents or find someone who can write? Well, if you ask our <laughs> wives, we just talk about it for a few years until they say, either write it or shut up about it because we're sick of you guys jawboning about it. So, yeah, no, we, it all started. We were sitting at Tanaka-san having uh, some beers and some food, and we're like, hey, you know, you used, used to teach culinary school, and I'm, I've been a wine guy for a while. I feel like... I feel like we could do something. So our, the original book was going to be super boring and totally lame because we were going to do like classic food and wine pairings of the world. And I'm so glad we didn't do that. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, our owner, Larry, approached us and said, hey, you guys should do something. And so we sat in my backyard with a bunch of three by five cards. And uh, it, it was it was a weekend. So it was a couple of days. And we were just writing ideas and tacking them on the back of the house. And eventually we kind of. You live in a cork house. Well, no, there's still, I, you know, 
there's still some uh, some pin marks in the <laughs> in the back, but it's it's okay. Um, but yeah, eventually we kind of had this this structure, and uh, and once we sort of knew what what we wanted to do, uh, we just set about doing it. And you know, we didn't quit our day job, so most of this was written between the hours of ten o'clock and two a.m. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, you're of, still wired relatively. Oh, yeah. you can reflect yeah. on yeah. the day's events. Yeah. And totally. Have, yeah, <laughs> have a brandy and you know. Yeah. And do some running. So yeah, it's a, we had a great editor. Um, uh, as you can see, uh, Haley did a great job on the photography. Uh, uh, Stacy Rosich did the uh, illustrations, and they're they're rad. And uh, yeah, we had a, a lot of great support. And you know, we had a lot to say. Uh, there's a ton of stuff that didn't end up in the book. Yeah. There's uh, almost 300 pages. That's here. we kind of yeah. decided that we should have made. It, we, we had to make it a little shorter than the original because right. Yeah, so there's. There's certain colorful language that yeah, we had to, we had to it's like coming out with a winery. How many cases do you want to make? Well, yeah. Let's start with something we can sell. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so. uh, pretty neat. Well, we, we've got just a little bit of time for our first break, but um, I, I see you actually don't start talking about wine until like a hundred pages in, and so all the the the, pre, the preview or the prelude prelude is about um, your back of the bottle and what wine is and what food is and so you you have this great um platform or found it lay a foundation for everyone to sort of get into your philosophy and then it sort of comes to life as you got some great pictures here some recipes as well uh and also the wine pairing stuff so when we come back from this break we're going to talk about some of your favorite pairings now did now harry did you come back come away from this with some newfound appreciation in, in um, food pairing or wine pairing or was there some epiphany during this process uh, you know it, it, it not necessarily for the book itself but when Chris and I get together sometimes we'll do some some dinners up in in the wine tower people aren't aware but the, there's a little foretop up inside that wine tower that we'll do special dinners in. really and we've had some crazy epiphanies doing that yeah okay well yeah. when we come back from this break we want to hear all about that yeah hey everybody we've got cork and the cook. Well, the cook and the cork, it's Harry Mills and Chris Horn from Purple Cafe and Wine Bar in downtown Seattle, right here on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest Original, Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle. Happy Saturday night. and Welcome back. It's uh, time for round three, segment three. I've got three cats in the studio right now. Uh, we're all pretty cool, staying cool in this hot summer. Um, Chris Horn, the wine director for Heavy Restaurant Groups and uh, executive chef Harry Mills from Purple Cafe and Wine Bar in downtown Seattle. The guys just wrote a book. It's called Cook and Cork. Uh, here's some of the contents. It's uh, We have a recipe list. So we start with an introduction. Um, you've got uh, some glossary terms here. Uh, the term mind mouth, which is very interesting, I want to I want to talk about. Uh, chef-free food and wine experiences, how to make how to have a positive relationship with wine. And the wine wardrobe, that sounds good. I imagine you're probably spilling on yourself at some point. But uh, Chris Horn, let's, uh, let's talk about this wine wardrobe idea. First of all, how many wines are on your list at Purple? Well, by the glass, 80 to 100, all said probably between 500 and 600, depending on the time of year and how many bottles did you open up for this this making of the book this writing uh, research I, I 
I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> uh, we didn't keep track of all the bottles that were consumed. All right. But but, uh, the recycle man can sell <laughs> something like that. Uh, what's the idea of this wine wardrobe? Tell me. Well, it's it was born from trying to bring home the wine bar. So we spent some time looking at the kinds of wines that, that we have on hand at the restaurant. So when we're pairing, we, we pair wine every day at the restaurant. And it, it all happened because of, of a terrible pairing that I guessed on when we first opened. Don't, it's, that story's in the book. It's very embarrassing. But if you want to arm yourself with the tools to open a bottle of wine with what you make every day of your life, it's sort of like you, you, get some, you could call it a toolkit or a wardrobe. It's just the things you should have around. So we sort of narrowed it down to 12 or so bottles that if you always have one of these in the house, regardless of what you cook for dinner, because we're terrible at planning things. So if you just plan your meals uh, two minutes before you're supposed to eat them, but have the wine there when you need it. So just arm yourself with with a bunch of wine. So your worn robe spans all four seasons here in Seattle yep. as we get, or maybe it's just three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get one of them that's just wet and gray. Um, what's what's something you would recommend for, for someone who wants to create their own wine wardrobe at home? And uh, First of all, they got to get the book. And let's talk about that. Where's the book available? Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Or uh, pop or, down to... Or, or you can come down to the restaurant, and uh, and if we're, we're there, you can... You can we'll have a scribble it. in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did that last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. At, at most of our restaurants, it's for sale. So, if you had, a, if you could su- suggest a wine wardrobe for some of our listeners out there, what what might that entail or encompass? Well, so it, it's sort of having. If you think about a toolbox, you have a different screwdriver, you have a different wrench, you have you have everything you need for the the job needs to be done. So. You have to have a light-bodied, citrus-driven white. You need to have a medium-bodied white with a sort of tree-fruit personalities. You need to have a heavy-bodied white, something like a Viognier. You need a a heavy-bodied white with oak, because sometimes you want that Chardonnay, you want that butter. Uh, You need to have a a wine with residual sugar, German Riesling. Uh, You need to have cheap cava. You need to have expensive champagne. (laughs) You need to have a light-bodied red, medium-bodied red, full-bodied red, Tannic red and I think rose was the last one. Sweet, did I hit them yeah. all? I think it's yeah. about twelve wines. Yeah, yeah. it's about twelve wines. A mixed case of wine yeah. will get yeah. almost anything paired one it's way or another. Chris totally. Horn's a list of apostle wines. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> one's a traitor somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the wine wardrobe. And uh, Harry Mills, you've got something called the Mind Mouth. Yeah, um, uh, we all have one. We may not think about it, but uh, you know, if, if the Mind Mouth is simply the recall of flavors in in your mind from your past and then if once you start getting pretty good at it you can project what things might taste like together so i think we can all in our mind conjure up that flavor of chocolate chip cookies and milk i think almost every american can think about that and know what it tastes like and what's going on with that flavor interaction and and one of the things i think that americans don't tend to do um, that if you just pay a little more attention, you know, it's interesting because we'll have somebody come into the restaurant and say, I absolutely love Malbec. Well, what what do you love about Malbec? What makes Malbec so great? And they just, they can't necessarily tell you. They just like it. And I think if we start to pay a little bit more attention to what does this wine really taste like? You know, what is that grassy note in that Sauvignon Blanc? And there's a, you know, what what is it that I like about Viognier? And and so forth, you can start to, in your mind mouth, 
put those flavors together, and that's one of the first steps to wine pairing. So you learn the wine by tasting it a little bit more, maybe more critically. I think a lot of Americans slug it down and and don't nice really and think cold. about it. Come right? on, yeah. Um, and if you just pay a little attention, and then and then say to yourself, you know, I I do like these dark fruits in Cabernet Sauvignon. I do like this tannin and this big backbone of in, in the the baking spice that the oak lends to it and all that and of course this is going to go with a ribeye steak because i can think about what cabernet sauvignon tastes like in my mind and a nice peppered ribeye off the grill and all of a sudden i I can taste those two things together and then you try it and sometimes you're going to miss and we we talk about (laughs) there's there's going to be some misses we miss it with a restaurant quite often and then you just put the cork back in you got that wine wardrobe and you grab the next bottle and you try something else and the next night you're on a quest to get that first bottle paired and you'd go the opposite direction i was thinking you know the way you were talking about this positive energy and visualizing it, you sound like pete carroll and then when you said you know if that one doesn't work it's next wine up (laughs) (laughs) i trust you guys are indeed Uh, so fun. Um, looking at the, these lovely pictures, you, you have some great step-by-step things. What's a recipe in here that kind of surprised you on, on trying to develop it? Be, being a chef, I know that sometimes oh, we're just seasoning. I, I kind of want to tell that story. So, what's that? All right. What do you got? <laughs> well, let's just say that um, all the recipes were tested by my wife. And having chefs sit down and watch her cook and not be able to jump in there and do it, was awesome and it was also gave us the opportunity to have those recipes be really instructive so if if there's any doubt uh we 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 put it in there uh but also it was fun taking chef to a uh, to a qfc <laughs> chefs <laughs> chefs don't shop like the rest of us so some of the recipes change the first name of that in yeah <laughs> but they don't sell fennel pollen and other crazy crap that <laughs> chefs are always using so uh, the recipes were uh, changed to fit the real people cooking in real kitchens. And actually, a lot of those photos, we took the recipes to people's houses and had them make them for us. And that's where a lot of photography came from. Oh, yeah, cool. I was looking really at it. Cool. I was like, well, I was wondering yeah. if this was done in that, the kitchen. That was around. Haley's idea. And it was in all sorts of kitchens. Uh, I it, noticed... There's yeah. some different uh, a crappy stove in Queen Anne. A little, different countertops. Yeah, and, no, yeah. it's uh, it was fun, and it was fun to to see people cook out of the book before we actually got to print yeah. the book. Is there yeah. a word, chef, that you may have used in your writing that that needed to be changed so people could actually non-chefs could actually understand what the heck you were meaning? Uh, I I think there was more wine terms. <laughs> wine yeah. terms? Our, our editors, oh, yeah. okay, our editors, our, our uh, copy editor and our editor editor. They they weren't wine people at all, and so I had to change a lot of my language because I assume people know what these things are. Yeah, we do. And so uh, I had to go into more description, uh, and it was good. I think the book really benefited from having uh, civilians read it. Right, yeah. lay people, lay people, yeah. yes, <laughs> not the clergy sure. yeah. of wine. No. <laughs> so fun speaking with Chris Horn, the uh, wine director for Heavy Restaurant Groups, and Harry Mills, the executive chef at Purple Cafe and Wine Bar in downtown Seattle. Uh, chef, do you go to the other Purple restaurants and check them out? I mean, do you are you have any responsibility where you maintain this uh, level of uh, heavy restaurant food integrity? You know, not not really anymore, other than uh, most of the the chefs in the company. Um, were sous chefs of mine at one time or another. So uh, I'm kind of the the old man around around heavy restaurants. It's the the teaching kitchen, I think. That's that's what we use Seattle for. A lot of people come through 
learn from chef and then move on to other restaurants. That's cool. Yeah. Heavy Restaurant Group, don't you have like a instruction kitchen or a demo kitchen in Bellevue? Was that... Did you uh, it's a private dining space and sometimes we do I see, uh, yeah. kitchen yeah. things over there. We've Cast done a, iron studio. That's what I was called. thinking. Yeah. yeah, that sounded pretty neat. Obviously yeah. with the the rise of, and fall of the you know Top Chef kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not yes. so new much anymore, yeah. but pretty neat. Um, one of your favorite recipes in your chef? I'll tell you what, I, I you know we we went around and around about this, and we really scrambled eggs. We this, well, we love those French style scrambled eggs, yeah. But uh, pate certainly, if you don't put a crust around it, is a cold meatloaf. That's all it is. And and we went around and around, like, should we put pate? Like, who's going to make their own pate at home? And I wanted to demystify the fact that pate is a cold meatloaf, and you can make one. And then you get some German riesling out. And you're going to really enjoy that pairing. I think that the, that that was one that we weren't really sure, and I'm really glad we put it in there because it's not that hard to make a pate. It's just not. Um, certainly if you're not going to internally garnish it like something you see in Lyon or something like that, you're just going to make a nice country-style pate with some liver in there and lots of flavor and pistachios and chill it down and get some Riesling out and go to town. You can eat <laughs> that thing all week, so... Going to town. We're going downtown to Purple Cafe Wine Bar. Hey, folks, stick around. Um, I'm going to ask Chris Horn kind of the same question about his almost favorite wine, because that's a hard question for somebody's to answer. We come back right here on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. It's time for our fourth and final segment. And uh, I was just chatting with Harry Mills about his his passion. And in the, in the Cook and Cork book, uh, he talks about pate. Now, Chris Horn, uh, director, wine director for Heavy Restaurant Groups, I have people ask me what my favorite wine is, and I always say, "Well, what day is it? Who am I with? What time is it? What, where I am? <laughs> Things like that." Yeah. I'm going to ask you, like, what is what is one of your wines that you really like in in for pairing overall? Um, to, what's a very flexible wine that you said, you know what, this is a good wine because. You don't have to be an expert, and it oh, works yeah. with these three things, or four things. Uh, you know, uh, Verdicchio is a grape that, uh, actually, I will just say that any Italian grape that you don't, that isn't familiar to you, you should buy it and, and drink it, because it's going to be delightful. Um, but we have we have uh, a Verdicchio on right now that has, it's like the savior wine. Like, we can't find anything to go with this dish. Grab the Verdicchio. Um, there's, certain, there's certain wines... Uh, on the list that tend to stick around because they're just really good food pairing wines. Oddly, actually, Cooper Mountain Friulano uh, is another one of those wines that has been a surprise. Cooper Mountain is in, in Oregon. In Oregon, right? Yeah. Because there's Cooper in Red Mountain. Yeah. So, Cooper Mountain. Coop, uh, um, that uh, that one's that's it's stuck around. Friulano, me. huh? I know. I I, I got it as a flyer because I was like, who's making Friulano down in Oregon? They how. But it's it's delicious and it just has a lot of dexterity. It reminds me is that like is wasn't it Toque Pinot Gris was talking from Friul Friuli? Yes, there's a there's a, a the EU did a thing where you can't call it Tokai uh, Tokai Pinot Gris anymore. Right. Um, but I know it's all sorts of crazy <laughs> wine laws in Europe. <laughs> there you are, and always more to learn. Um, and uh, this has been really fun for me. Uh, fantastic book. What's the price of the book on Amazon? Uh, I, 
40 bucks? I think it might be 40 or 30 Something in there. We should have that down. We should <laughs> know that. But yeah, I think it's 40 bucks. It's yeah. 40 bucks on the cover anyway. There we go. I'm sure there's a discount there somewhere because yeah. they, whoever pays full retail. Or, or, or what is it? <laughs> hey, but uh, Harry Mills, Chris Horn, any events coming up um, in September? Do you have some wine dinners or anything? Oh, I know we do. Website we can check out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're doing. We're having a party on the roof at, at Purple. Yeah, Seattle. we are. Uh, gonna, two weeks from today, in fact. Yeah, fifty yeah. bucks. It's and I've got and all I bought were large format champagnes and uh, La Col Chardonnay, uh, a 2012 Ferguson in in six liters. We're gonna have a, a good time. Wow, roast, roast yeah. a whole pig, some sides of king salmon. We're gonna we're gonna do a little raw bar, yeah. East versus West Coast raw okay. bar. Okay, so this is in August, cool. couple weeks. What's the website? Uh, it's at purplecafe.com. Purplecafe.com. Yeah, yeah it's tickets available on on there, and just buy a ticket, come on in, more or less bottomless glass, all you can eat, and have fun. So. Yeah. Should be great. I love it, and the, and there's no ropes on the on the sides of the roof, so you can really take some chances. <laughs> uh, I think it's safe enough up there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. You can have one giant saber for all those magnum or uh, large formats for the champagne. I I've, I've actually never sa- sabered a three liter before. Uh, I mean, I, maybe I will. I will do. Come that. on, Rook. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you gotta you gotta hang out with those canless kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or that's what they do on their roof. Uh, so fun. Harry Mills and Chris Horn from Purple Cafe and Wine Bar. Thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks, Chris. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, hey, folks. The the book is called Cook Plus Cork, uh, and that means fun times. It's available on Amazon, or just check it out at uh, your next visit to Purple Cafe and Wine Bar. August is a great month. Uh, obviously, we've got the auction of Washington wines coming up at the at the end of next week. Uh, it's a great time. The picnic is on Thursday out at Chateau Saint Michel. Of course, uh, on Friday you can either go to one of the fantastic wine dinners, um, which I don't think Purple's doing this year, but they have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Even uh, great sommeliers in the past, uh, of course, in the, the, the ch- kitchen brigade. But on Friday, that uh, we have the sunset supper. It's at Pike Place Market. Um, it's Friday the 18th. It's also the first Seahawk preseason game. So. So you have your choice. You can go try some Ethan Stoll food down at the CenturyLink, or you can head up to Pike Place Market and uh, have a uh, taste from 100 different vendors, wine, beer, cider, spirits, food, and uh, lots of fun. It all benefits the Pike Place Market Foundation. And, of course, the next Saturday, the Saturday the 19th, is the uh, the Grand Gala out of Chateau Saint-Michel. This is the 30th anniversary, and they have some amazing uh, auction lots to, to uh, for you to invest in and, and celebrate. And, of course, all the funds uh, help about uncompensated care at uh, Children's Hospital in Seattle. Plus, it provides some student uh, scholarships and funding for the uh, Washington State University Enological Viticultural Center out in the Tri-Cities, which is a brand new facility, and Shadow San Michelle did a lot to make that happen. If you're going to chance to check it out, they do some great things. they got tastings, and you can learn more about wine than uh, you can learn online if uh, you do it in person. Uh, I am um, going to be in France, and I'm going to do some interviews here. I'll be in France for uh, a couple weeks, and I'll uh, send some interviews that hopefully we can get those out in October, but uh, heading to Provence, to the uh, Northern Rhone, the Southern Rhone, Chateau de Pop, and the Côte Roti in the north, uh, of course, Beaujolais, which and I've never been to any of those. Luckily, um, I speak uh, un peu de, de Francaise, and I understand a little, mo- a little more. But uh, I can certainly order beer, order wine, and order food. So no worries, folks. Hey, remember, when you're out and about, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!